most of our clients say to us, you gave us the confidence to make a decision. And some of these guys have been in the market for six to 12 months looking on their own. And they get what we call analysis paralysis because there's so much information coming at them. They don't know the market. They're coming up to look at property that they never would have bought in a million years. The photos just look good. And it just gets so hard, they do one of two things. They freeze and they get analysis paralysis and they don't move forward or they buy out of frustration. I'm done with this process. I'm sick of it. I hate it. I just want to buy a house. So they'll make compromises and perhaps not buy maybe what they should have bought. Yep. So most of our clients, who even if they've been in the market for six to eight months, they can buy a house in a week and feel really good about it. So it's giving them the confidence and we just share all of our market knowledge and our experience and we hand it to them and we teach them along the way, a lot of them. Absolutely. They come out and say, I learned so much. We help them make a decision yep. and that's gold because some of them don't know where they want to live even. What even does my budget buy me? I can't work this Central Coast market out. I don't know where I can afford, where I should buy. Is that a good suburb? Is that not a good suburb? What's around the corner that I don't know about? Does that flood? Does it, they don't know. No wonder they get analysis paralysis. Property transactions can be among the most significant financial decisions of your life. Hence, we're here to guide you, debunk the myths and misconceptions that cloud the industry. We want to help you move confidently through the real estate journey and give you a behind-the-curtain look into the world of real estate. We're Michelle Tucker and Linda Johnson from Spring Buyers Agency and Spring Property Management. And this is the Unreal Estate Podcast. Welcome to session two. Here we go. I guess before we delve into it, we wanted to have a special shout out to Misha and David at the Studio Co um, for allowing us to um, run our podcasts here, our series here. We're also members here. We are. We use the space all the time, every week with our team. It's great space. It's awesome because we don't really need a, a permanent office. We never have really. Well, we we don't so far because no one would be in it, so it'd be a bit of a waste. No, and it's great for the coast. It's multi-purpose. It's mm. we. I guess we loved um, the interior design of the of here as well of the Studio Co. It's it feels good. It doesn't feel like an office. No, we didn't want to sit in a boring office. No, well, I guess that's a good segue into our um, session two. And talk thanks, Asha and David. We love it here. <laughs> Um, so session two, we're going to talk about what is a buyer's agent because obviously um, we are buyer's agents. Um, so we're going to unpack what that actually means today. What is it that we do? What are the benefits? How can we help people? And um, what do people say? How do we help them? You know, we'll share those comments because surprisingly enough, most people say exactly the same thing. No matter what they're buying, no matter how much they've got to spend, most of our clients have the same kind of feedback. They do. And I think um, there's still so much education that's required out there about what a buyer's agent actually is. A lot of people say they know what a buyer's agent is and maybe they've heard of it, but they actually don't know on a deeper level what it is or how we add value and how we can help. So, um, yeah, we're going to unpack that today. Well, when we started our business, most selling agents didn't know what a buyer's agent was. No. They knew of a buyer's agent. Don't get me wrong. They did. There's also a lot of other terms that 
selling agents call themselves buyers agents sometimes, but that's that's another thing we can talk about in a minute. But selling agents loosely knew what a buyer's agent did, but they were surprised to hear that. It was probably we, more selling agents that had worked in Metro. In Sydney. Yeah. I remember they used to say to us, so do you have an agency agreement? Yeah. <laughs> remember? Or do you actually get paid? Yeah, like, are you just looking at anything or are you actually working for someone? Like, it's... You go around Saturday shopping for fun. Yeah. Like, there was a lot of... So, I guess one of the first things we did when we started our business in 2020 is we, we had a lot of relationships already with selling agents. Um You'd been in Sydney for a while, so probably, you know, your network was Sydney and Central Coast. Mine was very much in the Terrigal area of the yep. Central Coast because I'd been around a long time as a selling agent. So, And I was also working very closely um, with the developer and also with the McGrath team, um, McGrath Project. So, um, and, you know, I worked very closely with Jamie Woodcock, who is a fantastic operator, and he was very supportive of our business. Yeah, it's always been really, um, you know, fabulously he supportive. Has. And yep. huge thanks to Jamie. Um, a lot of respect, great operator. And, you know, when we started our business, he was very supportive. He could see, you know, that. He could we had see a, the value. He could see how the we value. Could help. Yeah. So one of the first things we did was get in front of their sales team, which was fantastic. Um, 50 or 60 agents in a room, which was great. But of that, of those agents, not many of them had transacted with a buyer's agent, remember? Yeah. Or if they had, I think one of the questions, you know, who had operated or worked with a buyer's agent and who'd had a positive experience and who hadn't. Yes, yeah. I remember that. And alarmingly, um, there was more than anticipated who actually had not had a fabulous experience for a number of reasons. So we had our work cut out for us. Oh, totally. There was a lot of education on the coast to, to what a buyer's agent actually was or is and what we do. Yeah, it's it's just definitely been a journey of credibility with the selling agents, I feel. Um, you know, there's there's a mix of a fear of, you know, we, we're going to take their fee or a portion of their fee or interrupt their fee in some way, shape or form, which is actually not the case. Um, we are completely independent. Well, a buyer's agent should be completely independent. Um, vendor advocacy is another whole side of it. So we're not talking about that today. But um, as a buyer's agent, you should be 100% independent. Um, Do you think the selling agents felt a little bit threatened until they transacted with us? I feel like, and again, this is a whole other topic which we'll probably unwrap later on, but um, as a selling agent, we can speak from this position because we have been one, you control the entire yeah, process. That's how I mean by threatened, not yep. threatened as in threatened, but threatened yep. as in I'm not in control of Correct. the process. Yeah, totally. So um, I think most selling agents, it, it is the fear of the unknown. Oh, my gosh, they're going to interrupt my way, my process, you know, my control. Yeah. Um, instead of actually looking at the way we help, help. Yeah. And can help. And in so many ways, you know, we've had situations where we've had clients that are buying and selling at the same time. And we've actually helped to expedite the selling process by giving them advice um, but the selling agent doesn't know that because they were umming and ahhing about, oh, my gosh, what should we do? We're not sure. How many times do vendors ring us, though? Oh, all the time. Advice? Absolutely. And quite often we help move them along in the process because we're giving them a different perspective and a different opinion mm -hmm. and it's unbiased. 
And so it gives them the confidence then to make the decision to move forward. So a lot of selling agents actually don't know that because it goes on in the background behind closed doors. So that is a really, really huge way that we add value to a selling agent and can help. And Um, I think, you know, having been selling agents ourselves, we understand what they go through. It's hard. You may have a vendor who wants too much for their house and you're working through a process to get it to a point where it's saleable. We're not there to school a real estate agent. We never do. If it's priced a bit high or we see it as not a great buy, we'll move on. We'll give our honest opinion, but certainly not in a detrimental way or a rude way. It's always very collaborative. But the selling agents mostly, once they work with us, understand that we understand the value of property and we're there to bridge the waters between the buyer and the vendor. But what they quickly understand is a lot of that qualification process that they generally have to do with a buyer in prepping a buyer to understand the market, understand what the property's worth, um, understand the value of the property it may be in what it offers or the location. We, we do all that for them and they're ready to buy. So by the time we get to the point of negotiation, they're ready to do the deal. So that's the feedback that we often get is the selling agents go, my gosh, that was so easy. I didn't have to do any of that. It was half the workload. Yep. Um, and we're not touching their fee and the buyer's happy and the seller's happy. Absolutely. So our transactions with the selling agents are fantastic. They are. There's no argy-bargy and who's going to win. And you know what? In a negotiation, there's no such thing as winning. It's about coming to... Um, an agreement that everyone feels like we're there to get the best deal well totally everyone everyone is yeah each side is but at the same time everyone feels like they've gotten something out of it you know um no one's feeling ripped off or like someone's had it over them or it's very respectful and look at the end of the day it's as simple as this a seller wants to sell for the highest amount a buyer wants to buy for the lowest amount and it's about us bridging the waters and if there's a deal on the table and the agent you know works with us if there's a deal to be done there's a deal to be done if it's not then we move on no hard feelings so you don't need to have this battle of egos and all this nonsense that I don't know people feel some people feel needs to happen um so well, yeah, and I guess that um, that brings us to another point. A lot of um, people ask us, "Who do you mostly deal with?" Honestly, we did some numbers. This was sometime last year, I think. In in a twelve month period, we'd bought I don't know like fifty something properties. I think it was, and we transacted with thirty eight different agencies, not agents, agencies. Yep. So that goes to show the vast um, ground we cover and that we're really working the entire market. Yeah. It, it's We're not dealing with one agent or only going to one or fa- favouring an agent. We deal with – that's a big number. Well, that's a lot of agencies We are independent and we yeah. take a cross-section of the entire market. We're not just after one agent's listings or one agency's listings – um, we're out there to find the very best property we can for our clients for the very best price. And when we say the very best price, it's not the cheapest price or it's about setting them up for success. So it's about really understanding our client's brief and knowing what they can afford because it's human nature that when um, you know a buyer has a brief or has a, has a budget, they go out and they look for property and naturally they look at the top end of their budget, but they don't understand the pricing or the pricing strategies. And so they miss out time and time again because they're looking at property they can't afford. 
So we help navigate that. Um, and we don't want to buy the cheapest house. We don't want to buy the cheapest house because guess what? The house that's easy to buy, it's going to be hard to sell because no one wants it. Yeah. So be very wary of the house that is hard, is easy to buy, particularly in a market that we're in. We've got low stock levels. Um, we want quality property that will stand the test of time for our clients because no one knows, you know, the intent might be that you're going to own this property for 20 years. Great. Property should be a long-term investment, at least 10, to really, you know, realise the capital growth. But life happens. Yeah, it you does. Know, sometimes you might have to sell sooner than you thought or there could be a circumstance that comes along. So you want to know that you've got a really strong investment. Yeah, it's got to be robust and it's got to be able to withstand all markets, you know, because as you rightly said, life happens. And it's, again, the buyer psyche, they are budget driven, not strategic. And so whether you're going to live in the house or whether it's a, an investment property, either way, it needs to be a really good purchasing and investment decision um, so it can sustain whatever happens and your life decisions and you know, anything on a, you know, unless it's for a commercial, you know, reason or some other, you know, personal reason, but things like main roads on the side of the hill in the dark, um, damp, you know, anything that's got a fundamental issue that's going to make it last on the list for tenants and last on the list for a potential buyer, we just don't entertain those properties. We don't okay. even go look at them. It's just not a good purchasing decision. So, but buyers, again, don't know this because they get caught up in the photographs and they think it looks amazing and they travel kilometres to get, and they get there and they go, oh, wow, this is not what I thought it was. And they've wasted a whole weekend or a whole day giving up time with their kids and work and whatnot. So again, we like we save all that time. And that's probably brings us to the, you know, how do we help our buyers? There's we've got a, a list, there's probably ten things that we have broken down that where we really help our buyers and time is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got to put a price on your time. Um, and the longer it takes to buy a property, the market could be moving, um, and you're investing all that time and you're still not really understanding the market and what you should be paying. So yeah, time's one. But the other one that we're always asked about, the buzzword, um, which can be a great way to buy property. So off market. (laughs) (laughs) Probably the most talked about item on the buyer's agent list. And yes, we buy off markets. We bought two last week. We do. And they're a great way to buy property sometimes. Not always, but you need to have the knowledge to know what are the good off markets and what are the the ones that are just taking advantage and potentially just wanting a, a great big price? Yeah, and I think it's important. So our definition of an off market is perhaps different to others. So for us, when we buy off market, they're not emailed out to a database. So when we classify a purchase as an off market, and so our number that we advertise um, that we've purchased off market is probably a little lower And the reason is because they're actually true off-markets. And so true off-market is they haven't seen the light of day. (laughs) So they're manufactured. They haven't been mailed out to 10,000 people on a database. They're all over social media portals. Like they literally are manufactured out of a conversation or an opportunity and um, it's timing, it's our expertise that bring this together. So, and it can take... 
a long time. It's not just, you know, instant because quite often these opportunities are actually not ready. They haven't engaged a solicitor yet. They haven't, you know, done any sort of preparation. So um, these transactions are quite lengthy, can be, and um, they don't always come off. So why why would, and this is back to helping people out there, not just people that work with us. So let's let's say you're a buyer and and you you're going to go it alone. Um, you know you you don't you don't want a buyer's agent for whatever reason at this point. <clears throat> how, how do they access these off markets? Can they access these off markets? Which is an interesting question. Um, what can we share there? Well. They can because we hear clients say, oh, you know, um, so-and-so agent showed me this off-market. Well, it's not really. It's been emailed out to their entire database and they've just labelled it off-market. You know, there may be situations for sure where um, a selling agent may have um, sold for them and then introduced them to another property that's, you know, so in the, that sort of situation, that may happen if they know they're qualified and ready to go. And And then begs the question, how do they work out? If it's the right price, yep. you've got to have a pretty thorough knowledge of the market to know, okay, I've got this fantastic opportunity. This selling agent's told me about this off market. What do I pay for it? Am I overpaying for, because it's a secret? Mm-hmm. I've got no other social proof of anyone else involved that what it's worth. So how do you then work out whether it is a good buy and how do we value property? You know, some might say, well, how do you work out what a property's worth? When we're operating in the market every single day, you and I are walking, this is how we used to price properties, a listing agent. So we're very, have been doing this for a very long time. We'll walk into a property and assess it pretty quickly, but all of a sudden we're going, that one down the road sold for that. That one up the road sold for that. Oh, but that had this, that was a sloping backyard. That had a view. And all of a sudden we've got all of these properties and the prices that we know they sold for as, as yardsticks. That's how mm-hmm. we value property. And that's actually a really interesting point to, again, revert back to the conversation we just had earlier about selling agents and how we add value. So we have so many selling agents ringing us all the time or at open homes or inspections asking us about other properties because they will work an area or, um, you know, they, they obviously it's their job to know what recent sales are. But a lot of the time they actually haven't physically walked through those properties where we have. And so it comes up all the time. They're like, have you seen this? Have you walked through it? How does yep. it differ to this one? I'm struggling with price on this one, but I don't understand because, on you know. You I'm, have to have that experience. 100%. Don't you remember our lovely clients and we won't – you know, obviously they're very private people. We're not going to talk about who they are. But he he was engaging us, him and his wife, to buy a high-end property and very well-educated man who wanted to make sure he had the right people. He wanted to know how how our knowledge was in the market of Terrigal. And he put us through our paces. Oh, he? he did. He really Probably did. one of the hardest clients we've Probably ever had Probably one of to, the hardest yeah. clients. But... Every single property that he mentioned to us, one of us had walked through. Obviously, I spent a decade in Terrigal in that high-end market. So I had literally seen or knew of the owner, the developer, whatever it was, every single property. And I could talk about it because I'd been through it. You can't fake that. You can't fake it. Absolutely not. And in the end, that's yeah why he engaged us. And he interviewed a range of other agents and in the end um 
yeah, that was his comfort level and and I guess that's why. So off markets, I guess, without losing our track, that's how we price them Mm -hmm. and they can be a great way to buy, right? And we're always hunting for them and it is a big value out of a buyer's agent. Absolutely, but it's not the be all and end all and if, you know, it's a misconception if people think that the only value a buyer's agent brings to the table is their ability to get off markets, very wrong. Because sometimes the best way to buy properties on the market where there's plenty of social proof um, and, you know, that takes a lot of skill, particularly if there's, you know, lots of other buyers involved. There's multiple offers. Quite often, you know, particularly a, a more junior agent won't know how to handle that situation. Yep. So it's our ability to work with them and, um, you know, have the expertise to try and manage that situation and win the property for our clients. And this brings us so off markets, um, time, all these things that we add because 80% of our clients, if we want a statistic, are from Sydney or out of area, which that's a whole other conversation that we'll have in another episode because COVID, whilst we've always been a great option for people that can't afford the Sydney uh, market, dedicating yourself to a five-day-a-week commute was a big call. So COVID's really opened the Central Coast up and that's a whole other conversation. Um But most of our clients say to us, you gave us the confidence to make a decision. And some of these guys have been in the market for six to 12 months looking on their own. And they get what we call analysis paralysis because there's so much information coming at them. They don't know the market. They're coming up to look at property that they never would have bought in a million years. The photos just look good. And it just gets so hard. They do one of two things. They freeze and they get analysis paralysis and they don't move forward or they buy out of frustration. I'm done with this process. I'm sick of it. I hate it. I just want to buy a house. So they'll make compromises and perhaps not buy maybe what they should have bought. So most of our clients, even if they've been in the market for six to eight months, they can buy a house in a week and feel really good about it. So it's giving them the confidence and we just share all of our market knowledge and our experience and we hand it to them And we teach them along the way, a lot of them. They come out and say, I learned so much. We help them make a decision. And that's gold because some of them don't know where they want to live even. What even does my budget buy me? I can't work this Central Coast market out. I don't know where I can afford, where I should buy. Is that a good suburb? Is that not a good suburb? What's around the corner that I don't know about? Does that flood? They don't know. No wonder they get analysis paralysis. Absolutely. And look, we're not saying a buyer's agent isn't for everybody. And, you know, by no means are we saying that everybody finds a need. But we we really do help in so many different ways. And every client's journey is different. And the reason they come to us is different. So, you know, time, people are time poor. That's certainly one. Geography is another. If they're literally not here and can't get here, another reason. Some don't understand the market, don't know what they can get for their money, you know, don't actually understand their budget and what their budget can afford. Investors. Investors. Um, they come you know, and go. They do. The they don't have the confidence to under to really know, oh, my gosh, is this a really good decision or not? And they, you know, want someone else to bounce off and really help them understand, you know, their strategy and their process and how to negotiate. Because if, 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 if an investor's capital mm-hmm. growth focused, we would – look in a different area than if they were yield focused. So it's about working out for an investor what is their strategy. They might have a portfolio where they have, you know, a bit of this and a bit of that, but for this purchase I want to concentrate on this. And 
we can do that for them because you'd be looking in very different pockets for different things. Well, it also takes a different um, a different expertise. You know, buying an investment property is very different to buying a home you're going to live in. It's a totally different skill set. It's a different level of experience and, um, you know, you've got to be well-versed as a buyer's agent in both um, because they are entirely different and there's, yeah, there's so many different strategies and areas and a level of knowledge um, that, you know, not every buyer's agent has. So it's important. Some of the red flags we see a lot are buyers falling in love with the styling furniture <laughs> sometimes um not not opening up the lens to look around it's incredible that a, a buyer can sometimes go through a house and not look at the neighbor um or the guy up the road or the house down the street it, it's there's a lot to take in and when you're trying to make a decision and you can't take emotion out of a purchase as much as people go don't take you can't buy a house with emotion it's actually impossible, I think, to take emotion out of buying a house that you're going to live in with your family and raise your family or, you know, it's where your safe place. So we tell our clients, have all the emotion, do all of that. We don't have it. That's why you've got us. So it's hard to not have emotion. But that emotion stops them. It can change the perspective a little bit, right? They want to see the good in it because I want to like this house. So I'm not going to notice that maybe the street's not the best or the roof looks a bit dodgy or, you know, there's a water leak up there that we really need to investigate further. So it's almost like we walk into a house and they jump out at us, don't they, those problems? The yeah. crooked floors or the patches on the roof or the, I don't know, they just scream out, hey. Yeah, hello, we're here. <laughs> I think it's just years of looking at property. And we, you know, it's not going to be our house, so we're looking at it through a very different lens. Yeah, very different lens. So, yeah, no, all of those things stand out a lot to us, um, which is good. But also quite often the emotion takes over and they um, buyers get caught up in FOMO, fear of missing out. So, you know, they're listening to, um, you know, the agent talk about other buyers and talk about price and they get this situation where they're like, oh, my God, if I don't do that, I'm not going to get it. And instead of, you know, taking a step back and, you know, really thinking about their decision and not being put in that pressure cooker kind of environment. And that's, again, where we come in and, you know, can really help calm down the situation and think it through and talk it through and come up with the best strategy and not be pressured into a decision. I think mainly too, like if, you, if you're a buyer who doesn't have the relationships that we have with the selling agents, like – when you think about it, there's not too many selling agents that we just can't pick up the phone and go, hey, hey, go. Like, we don't hang out at barbecues, but we know them all. So they take our call. If you're a buyer and you're one of, you know, 20 or 30 people that went through an open house, there would be that fear that, oh, what if they don't call me back and it gets sold and I miss out? We kind of alleviate that because we're like, don't worry, just we've got you. We will make sure that doesn't happen. Yep. But there would be that fear as a buyer. I'm hang on. What about me? I don't want to miss it. Absolutely. So there's a lot of fear. Yeah. The other thing that annoys me, someone said it to one of our clients said it to us the other day. Oh yeah, we bought this house and look, we overpay. We know we overpaid. 
my God, why is that okay? Yeah. I wouldn't be happy about that. But it's almost like, I guess it's a defence mechanism, like trying to reassure themselves, okay, well, we know, so that's okay. But it's actually not okay. No, it's not because okay. Because you're going to pay for that down the – like it's actually going to cost you more than overpaying because you're going to realise it down the track. So, again, we help avoid that situation. We don't let our clients overpay. And I guess that comes back to at the end of the day – There's a role to play for all of us in this and a selling agent works for the vendor. They're being paid by the vendor and it is their job to get the highest possible price that they can get for that vendor. In fact, they're legally obliged to do so. Absolutely. And so they should. Absolutely. They're not doing anything wrong with doing that. They do their job. We worked hard Mm -hmm. for our sellers. Absolutely. And so they still do it with integrity and most do. 100%. You know, they can still provide mm-hmm. a great service to their buyers mm-hmm. and get the best price for their sellers. Absolutely. But the buyer still has to understand they can be professional and integral and do all the perfect things. They're not working for you. No. The, the, single, the single clearest question you have to ask yourself is who is paying who? Mm-hmm. Who is paying the selling agent? And even if there's a selling agent that calls themselves a buyer's agent, they're managing buyers, but they're managing buyers on behalf That's of the selling confusing. agent. That's a very it good point. It is super confusing. This is annoying. Is. Sorry. <laughs> That's a very good point. When a selling agent has a team of people, sometimes it's mostly a new person, right? Yep. They come into the team and they call them buyer's agents. They're not buyer's agents. <laughs> They're assistant selling agents because what their job is to work with buyers. So I get why in the past maybe they've been called buyer's agents, but it's very misleading. It is. Because people have said to us, but hang on, no, they have a buyer's agent working in their team. Who's paying that buyer's agent? The vendor. So back to the question. Question answered. Back to the question that I think we may be in session one, episode one, whatever, was... I'm raising my voice. I'm getting passionate. Calm down. Breathe. Breathe. (laughs) Um, I think you raised it in episode one. The question we get asked quite often is, for people that are naive to a buyer's agent and what we do, is, well, why do I need a buyer's agent? I've got a selling agent. Well, that lies, like there lies in the point. There lies the problem. Um, Yeah, you do. And they absolutely will help you. Totally. But they're only going to show you their listings or their agency's listings. They're not going to show you a cross-section of the market. They're not going to listen to your brief and your requirements and, and really understand them. Hunting what you really want. No, they're not. And at the end of the day, they're not working for you. Yes, they're helping you, but they're working for still for the vendor and being paid by the vendor. And that is the biggest thing that people don't understand. We get clients that come on board and say, why did the selling agent send me that property? It's not even what I want. Well, it's not, but it's just maybe you'll like it, so I'll send it. It's what you do when you're trying to sell something. Absolutely. You think, oh, well, I don't really know exactly what they want, so I'll send this. It might suit them. Mm. Great. It's good service. But we're going another step. We're not doing that. We're actually going out searching for the very thing that our clients want. And I guess we just need to throw in a disclaimer here. <laughs> we're not um, – it, it shouldn't be like this side and that side. No. It's absolutely not that. Um, but it's got to be clear. There's a the huge roles. place for – everybody's role in this but it's just I guess identifying clearly whose role is what and they all collaborate to get 
a great result for and their we, client. We do feel a little bit like we can speak from this because we've done it and yep. we didn't do it for five minutes either. No. We did it for a long time. So I feel like being a selling agent is really hard. It's hard. It's hard work. It's hard slog. It's great, but it's hard. You're dealing – that's another point we'll bring up. We may as well bring it up now seeing as we're nearly there. The negotiating, mm-hmm. right? That's another – so we've talked about time. We've talked about off-markets. We've talked about, you know, the red flags and the mitigating risk and all that sort of stuff. But let's talk about the big one, negotiating. Some people go, I don't know how to negotiate a house. You just, you know, make an offer and see where you go. And some people may negotiate in other careers or, you know, negotiate other types of things. And they're probably really good at it. Yeah. But there are so many moving (laughs) parts. You're not buying a car. Great. It's it's probably hard to sell cars. I don't know. Like it's a sales job. Sales is hard. And not taking anything away from that, it's still negotiating. And I'm sure there's there's ways and means to do that really well as, as well. But you've got this moving market and all these moving pieces and all this emotion and a seller and a buyer and an agent and a and a uh, an investment of marketing money and a and an expectation of price or a, a property that they've the vendors bought and they need this much to to sell all of these moving parts plus you've got a market going on um, interest rate rises going on an economy happening all of these things that make negotiating harder absolutely and and also as a selling agent typically you're managing both sides this is the point that I was trying to make this is the crucial critical side of it as a buyer's agent we negotiate property right we do but we're not really true negotiators as buyer's agents we are I'm not trying to take anything away from being a buyer's agent and you need to negotiate property but the buyer's agents that haven't been selling agents have they ever negotiated the both sides because that's where the true art of negotiation comes in right how many times have you on the phone to your vendor on the phone to your buyer on the phone to your vendor on the and you've got to handle that on the auction floor going to your vendor going to your buyer going to that buyer going back to your vendor and you're the whole time (laughs) and without overstepping and making sure everybody gets the right opportunity and not that is the true art of negotiation. 100% it is. Yeah. And that's where the buyer's agents that haven't done it don't understand the sellers, selling agents and how hard it is. Yeah. It's, it takes a lot of years of experience to do that well. And there are some awesome selling agents on the coast that are fantastic negotiators. So how is a buyer who you've bought one house, no house, in your life, two houses, how are you going to go against those skilled negotiators? That's the question. Absolutely. So when you ask yourself, why do I need a buyer's agent? When I've got a selling agent, maybe those things might come to mind. Because they're going to rock and roll you all over town. (laughs) They really. Absolutely. They'll see you coming a mile away. So what are some of the questions? But so they should. That's their job. That's their job. They do it every day. You do it once in your life, maybe twice, maybe three times. Maybe if you do it 10 times, Mm -hmm. you'd okay, you'd be better at it after 10 times. But we do it 10 times in a month so it's a skill it's like anything it's alert skill and it's one of the biggest things that is kind of can be overlooked a little bit as the value of a buyer's agent so and buyer's agents 
Um, and again, this is not taking anything away from any any other buyer's agents, but I guess um, from an experience level, a buyer's agent that has actually, and there's plenty out there that have been selling agents as well, um, it gives a really strategic edge yes. when it comes to negotiation. Um, it's just a different level of expertise. It really is. So we even made that decision in our team, right? We did. We don't want a buyer's, well, I should never say never say never, but our focus on building our team of buyer's agents is that they do need to have some experience as a selling agent. Yep. We just feel like it's such a deep knowledge that you don't know what you don't know. And if you've never walked in someone's shoes, how, how do you know? You don't know. It also gives a different level of understanding around the entire process because whilst the process is similar, it's still different on both sides. And, and you know, the biggest realisation for us of how different many aspects are when we built our CRM. Mm. When we went through and process mapped out yeah. every step, it was so apparent we just, you know, naively, I guess, a little bit in the beginning, we, we were like, oh, we'll just we know this person. We'll just, you know, we'll just adapt to it to the other side. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, it is very different. It's very different. It is. It is. And there's different steps at different parts of the, you know, of the whole process. And the process. psychology's different. Yeah. It is. You ask any of the top agents in the country mm-hmm. and they'll talk about the psychology. You know, how many ARICs have we been to? And look at the incredible operators on the stage that we see there year after mm-hmm. year. They talk about the psychology yep. because it's really important. So if you haven't understood that psychology of that other side of the equation, you know, maybe, you know, that's good experience to have. Hence why in our team we'd like to have buyers agents as we grow that have that experience. Yeah, Absolutely. So I guess with, you know, there's a lot of things and this is, and we don't want to delve into this too deeply, I guess, but if there's buyers out there that are in the marketplace at the moment, some of the questions that maybe they should ask before they, because a selling agent will obviously encourage you to put an offer in. Mm -hmm. So before you make an offer, perhaps ask yourself or them a few questions and, you know, tricks of the trade, we're all about sharing. Everyone, not as you said, a buyer's agent off everyone. Some buyers might want to go it on their own and they might listen to this and get a few tips yeah absolutely I guess something we also haven't touched in um you know what a buyer's agent does we keep things um you know a lot of our clients are quite discreet and they don't you know want anyone to know who they are essentially so they remain anonymous Mm. and all of our clients actually do um, for that matter, right up to the point that we um, start negotiating and have to provide details for a contract. So, um, I mean, it is a little more difficult if they've already been in the market themselves for a period of time because they've had exposure to agents and they've been looking and, you know, it's a different story. But um, particularly our high-end clients, th- there's a lot of our um, purchases up in, you know, multi-million dollar arena that no one knows about at all. You, we've had to sign confidentially, confidentiality agreements um, for personal reasons. We haven't been able to disclose that we're looking and at we're a property. Okay with that. Yeah, absolutely. Like if if someone wants to not share it, we're okay with that. We don't have to share it. We know what we do and who we help. Mm. Um, sometimes that's the way it is. But I think it's a real benefit for um, – for our clients, 
that they can have that sense of, you know, security and safety, if you like, that um, their name's not going to be dropped all over town and, Mm. um, you know, we're not there to share every single purchase that we make. Um, And, yeah, I guess they're – I know one of our our clients said to us something that was quite interesting that, you know, oh, you you know, you guys seem to, you know, do a lot of transactions or purchase a lot of property in this kind of – you know, space and and sort of gave a price range. And whilst it's sort of the average price range on the central coast in that very valid point, um, it's actually misinformed because we actually help people of all budgets. We've helped people, I can't remember what our lowest is, just slightly sub 500,000 because you can't get much (laughs) under that level, unfortunately, in our market now. But you know, we've helped people for the first time with really low budgets, whether they're a first-time investor or, you know, first home buyer. But we've got a lot of really large transactions that we've never smoke, spoken about, never shared, no one would ever know, and then there's everywhere in between. So we made a really conscious decision in our business that we were we genuinely believe that all buyers need help doesn't matter how many houses they've purchased it doesn't matter what price range they're in it doesn't matter how much experience they have but all buyers deserve a level of assistance genuinely genuinely feel that we get as much excitement helping a first home buyer than we do totally six million dollar property honestly sometimes even more Mm -hmm. because it's so emotional and so important absolutely we genuinely believe that everyone deserves help and people have said to us why don't you branch into the this end of the market or that end of the market and a lot of buyers agents do and that's totally their decision we want to stay diverse yeah I think it's important because the market is diverse and markets come and change oh it's so volatile you know because we've been doing this so long, we've been through the GFC, we've been through COVID now, um, we have lived through so many fluctuations in the market and they all bring about different challenges and different, you know, things to navigate. And again, that brings another perspective to to what we do. And so we are very well aware that um, different corners of the market you know, come and go at various times. And so, again, that comes back. We want to be there to assist no matter what the market is, no matter what, what's going on, you know, cut out the noise. And at the end of the day, no matter what the market's doing, we have no control over it. But property will always transact, always, because property transact transacts because of life. Different things happen. Life, you know, births, deaths, marriages, um, you know, all sorts of things. And... So no matter what is happening, we just cut out the noise and we focus on the here and the now and deal with what's going on to make things happen. You know, probably a a great thing to ask a buyer's agent if you're talking about engaging one is how many market cycles have you seen? You know, markets cycle in and out and it's important to understand that, not just, you know, there was quite a lot of... um, agents enter the market, both selling agents and buyers agents during the COVID boom. Mm. And and I can honestly hand on heart say what I saw those selling agents go through, which would have been hard in a way, having 
you know, a hundred people at an open home and having multiple offers. And I don't mean multiple, I mean like 20 offers on a property. And aggressive, like I people literally making literally abusing all them sorts and, of things. Yeah. I have, ne- I never operated in that market. I started in real estate in 2007 and yes, I saw the GFC. If we had two buyers on a house, we were doing a happy dance. <laughs> Honestly, I've never, ever operated as a selling agent in that zone so there was a lot of buyers ag- uh, selling agents who entered the market with that happening. Well, when that stopped and they actually had to look for buyers, they were like, hang on a minute, what's happening? <laughs> what's going on? Where are the buyers? Um, so you've got to manufacture those deals then, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was a, it was interesting to see what happened in COVID because it, that would have been as much as it was great and no one's, you know, a lot of selling agents made a lot of money in that time. It was a, a fabulous time in the market was also a hard time they would finish their Saturday and literally have 300 calls or inquiries they had to get back to how do you do that yeah, yeah so it was all also challenging and there was a lot of emotion and FOMO in the market and people were getting very abusive and there was all the stress around COVID it was yeah it was crazy times absolutely so I guess in um I guess wrapping up this session so I guess we today said we're going to give some tips Around negotiating, what would be some of the questions so we can leave the buyers out there? Some of the questions around the timing of an offer, what sort of questions would you ask? Because when the selling agent says, okay, great, you love the property, give me an offer. I would probably say one of the first things is look at the timing of it. If you've just been to a first open home, um, will they sell after today's open home? Or are they wanting to go through a process? Um, Is it, are they committed to a few weeks because, or potentially you've got into the property before the first open home, maybe on a Wednesday or a Thursday, and you're being encouraged to make an offer, are they going to sell before that first open home? Because if you do make an offer and it's a strong offer, be very aware that that will set the bar for what happens at the open home. So I think that's an important question to ask, right? Yeah, absolutely. Also too, I think it's important um, if buyers are out there looking not to be budget driven, as we spoke earlier about, they need to really look at, well, first of all, why are they purchasing? They need to actually understand what their strategy is, what their why is, why are they buying? Where do they want to be? Where do they like to be? It's not just about the property or the budget. It's also about lifestyle. All those things marry together. So it's about going in with a really clear understanding and understanding what has sold in the market, not what the asking price is. We often it's tell our clients to go to the sold section. And, and set your um, your pricing strategy at the back of the real estate portals for what your budget is. And don't look at the top end because the reality is it's going to go above the top end. So you need to realistically look at what you can realistically afford and look at what's sold so many of our clients send us properties when we first start working with them and they're properties that are like going to sell two three four hundred thousand dollars above what they can afford and they're like yeah but the guide says this and it's like or or it comes up there's no price on it but it comes up in my price range and they're not understanding um you know what's actually sold they wouldn't have a clue because then we actually send them properties that have sold with actual sold prices and they're like oh all right. Wow. And we understand how those search parameters are set in the back of realestate.com. Again, back to having worked in a selling agency, that's just set by, you can put whatever you want in the search 
criteria. Yeah, there's no rules. So there's no rules around that. So you want to, and obviously a selling agent wants to make sure they're scooping everyone in and around that budget. So they're not going to set it too high. So the search criteria is quite loose. Absolutely. It's a bit misleading and buyers would find it hard. And when you go in with an offer, there's a fine line between it, particularly and you've got to read the room, right? You've got to read what's happening in the market, how much stock is there, how many competi- how many how much competitions on this property. Don't go in with an insulting offer. Mm. Like what's that's not going to achieve anything and argue with the selling agent. That's only going to get you down the list of a priority. Yeah, they're not going to come back to you. So just, yeah. there's a certain amount of be respectful because the selling agent has a lot of influence with the vendor. They do. They have a relationship. So be respectful and, yes, you want to buy it for the best possible price, but there's no point lowballing it ridiculously where you're never going to buy it you don't want to be a pain like at the end of, let's be real you don't want to be a pain how many times as a selling agent have we been sitting in a lounge room and we have two contracts and the vendor there could even be a price difference and they'll choose the lower offer but they'll go I really like that family I really like those people I don't they, those people are rude so <laughs> let me tell your story you. <laughs> a little bit when you have to and and work out your terms I mean as buyers agents we set pricing strategies we we know where we want to land before we even go into a negotiation that's kind of getting a bit technical but as a buyer out there have an idea of where you want this to land it's not they just about be, price either it's about terms, terms like you need to package terms? up and don't come back after the fact so don't negotiate and then go oh yeah it's all happy days and they oh by the way I've only got this or I need an extended settlement like it all has to be in the one and don't package. say you've got your pre-approval when you haven't yeah because <laughs> that'll really tick off a selling agent because if you're not ready to buy there's no point Going in and, and 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 I don't know offers. any selling agent ever. Maybe in other markets, so I shouldn't say ever, but certainly not in our market. That would be conditional on finance. Like it's just we, our market conditions don't support that type of negotiation. Okay, there's always exceptions to the rule and extenuating circumstances, but generally, don't go out shopping when you don't have the money. Because more, most likely, if you try and negotiate and you don't have the money and you want to make it, you know, dependent on an approval, the answer is going to be no. And rightly so. The cleaner the offer is, you've got to look at it from the vendor's perspective. And I know a buyer always wants a deal and don't get us wrong, we're all about a deal. But you've got to look at it from the seller's perspective. You're buying the most expensive item you'll ever buy. They're selling the most expensive item they'll ever sell. So you've got to be respectful of both sides of the equation while still buying a quality property at a great price. 100%. So there we have. This is how we help our clients. So hopefully that's been informative and we tend to dart around a little bit, don't we? But We are diverting all over the place. But, you know, hopefully it made sense and hopefully it puts it into, you know, a, a more layman's terms of what goes on out there. And there's so much more like interpreting price guides and things like that that we can talk about at other times because that's a that's a big challenge for people in the market yeah perhaps us starting all over the place kind of shows how many moving parts there are to it it's yeah. actually this so is what goes on in our car sometimes we give ourselves a headache we're like what about that what about that than that oh yeah that it yep. just it's this that's is what you know that's something else is like. we never ever enter a negotiation without rehearsing no we don't and we've been ever. doing this a long time we like never because there's 
there's always something that you haven't thought of or an element that you haven't considered and you know and it's really good we never ever still to this day enter a negotiation without hashing it out or rehearsing it or role-playing or whatever just to get another perspective 100 percent even though we do it all the time even if it's a fairly straightforward negotiation we still call and go we're about to negotiate this property what do you reckon what do you think about this do you reckon this is reasonable what do you think Mm -hmm. how do you think that's how we do it because we're not you know what every single negotiation from 20 years ago you learn something new every time. They're Absolutely. never the same, are They're they? never the same. And never, we ever. still come across things occasionally, not too often these days. So I guess that's the another tip for a buyer. Don't listen to the internet. Don't Google questions to ask or how I should negotiate. Oh, my God. So many times <laughs> we hear, oh, gosh, it's cringy, um, that we hear buyers who've obviously read somewhere on the internet or got some list of questions or some... Anyway, they've listened to some guru and they go in and it's just like, oh my gosh, that is just so off the mark and not correct and not well informed. What and about that thing I read the other day? You can't learn, I'm you can't, sorry. it's not scripted. I, I hate to say. I read, not naming any names, but there was a conveyancer. Oh, yes. That put out yeah. some tips. If you're selling and buying, and some of it was really great. If you're selling and buying a house and you don't know the process, because that's a big sticking point at the mm-hmm. moment. It's where it's why there's some of the reasons why the stock levels are low because yep. sellers are worried they'll get stuck without a house if they sell. So this particular article was aimed at if you're selling and buying, and it was some great things about bridging finance and you know mm. be careful and the timing and all that kind of stuff. But the advice was, if you're if you haven't sold your house yet and you're buying a house, you can make the purchase contingent to the sale of your house. I'm sorry. (laughs) I don't know what chat GPT textbook that came out of, but I'm telling you right now, on the Central Coast, Lake Macquarie, Newcastle, if you said to the selling agent, yeah, I'd like to make an offer on this property, please, and I'd like to make it contingent (laughs) on the sale of my home, you'd be laughed out of the property. 100%. It's not going to happen. So it's a little bit misleading because a seller would then think, oh, great, oh, I can make my offer contingent mm-hmm. on the sale of my house. That's a great way to do it. And maybe there has been a time for that in the past. I, you know, I vaguely I recall actually don't back recall in the day a long time ago yeah. where anyway, that may have been a strategy. In the dark ages. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I am pushing 30 years. Anywho, um, we, yeah, so, but. Rarely, it, it, again, extenuating circumstances, and maybe in COVID when everything was flying out the door, maybe that might have worked then. Don't don't even think then, but just saying, there's a very rare circumstance. Well, it's too much risk for them. Why would they do that and just say, just say, they agreed? They could waste a whole months, weeks, longer waiting for the sale of this house that could be overpriced. It maybe have something fundamentally wrong with it. Doesn't see the light of day. Could be on a main road. Absolutely. And then it all falls over. And then they've wasted all that time. They're still stuck with their house. And the market could have dropped by then. They're not going to get the same price. And then they can't buy your house. Buy the house because they've got a disaster. It's just a disaster. disaster. A good example of not all advice is good advice and it's nice to get another perspective 100% from, from a buyer's agent 